Our second message this afternoon is from Mr. Lawrence Gregory. It is entitled, Wait on the Lord. Good afternoon, everyone. I'd like to read some excerpts from a recent letter that we received to uh, CGOM. I'm not going to mention the person's name, but uh, I'm going to read a few things from the uh, letter. In uh, 1 Corinthians 11.10, it says, For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. But if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. Does this mean the man doesn't have to cut his hair? I would like to know something about this. So, I'd like to read all of the verses of 1 Corinthians 11, because uh, we're going to address each one of those uh, thoughts that are contained in this chapter a little later. Beginning uh, in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, Be you followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Now, I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things, and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. But I would have you to know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesied, having his head covered, dishonors his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered, dishonoreth her head. For that is even all one as if she were shaven. For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shaven or shorn or shaven, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image and glory of God. But the woman is the glory of the man. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman but the woman for the man. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman. But all things of God, judge in yourselves, is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. But if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. 
Now, I would like to uh, encourage us to uh, consider carefully what I have to say. Uh, what I have to say is not meant to be discouraging or uh, complimentary in uh, the wrong way, but what I have to say is to be uh, encouraging to all of us. And I know it's different than uh, what some believe, but uh, I want to uh, consider carefully some of the thoughts that are in these verses that we read. First is, I want us to consider the headship. Now, we've just read that the head of man is Christ, and the head of Christ is God, and the head of woman is the man. Now, I'm not going to go back into Genesis, into the chapter of where God created man in his own image, and then he took the rib and he made woman in his own image, in the image of man, and he blessed them and he brought the woman to the man. You could read this in a couple of chapters. And the man and woman were married, and it talks about Eve as the wife of the husband, Adam as the husband. And... Uh, so we have here a respect that the woman is showing to her head, to her husband, or to all men in that sense. Now, uh, let's continue. And just like I said, just be careful and hear me to the end because I want us to uh, go back to uh, Psalm 27th chapter and uh, verse... Uh, 14. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And another scripture in uh, Romans, the uh, 12th chapter. And I want to read a few verses here, uh, beginning in uh, verse, uh, let's see, verse 3 through 12. For I say, through the grace given unto me, every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think soberly, according as God has dealt every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministry. Or he that teacheth on teaching. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. For he giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that shows mercy with cheerfulness. That love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned 
one to another with brotherly love in honor preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. And there's more on continuing on in those uh, verses. And um, so we see here that uh, the man and the woman are encouraged to honor and to respect their particular place and their particular gift that God has given them and called them into the body of Christ. Now, in uh, Paul, he was a male, and you'll find in all of the Old Testament, the priests and the ministers of the Old Testament and the New Testament, all were males. Now, it's a custom and the tradition and the practice of our Tulsa congregation that the men minister to the congregation. Now, in Bible study, we have men conducting the Bible study, but women take a turn reading from the, from the scriptures. And uh, Paul, you remember uh, when he was traveling, came up on the river bank, and he found uh, some of the women there under uh, Phoebe uh, who were uh, praying, and uh, he commended them because they were women over a woman. And he talks about prophesying, and uh, now, I've, uh, I remember uh, Herbert Armstrong for nearly 30 years, and uh, he was married to Loma Armstrong until she died in 1967, he died in 1986. And uh, I remember him saying that uh, in all the years, and they were married almost 49 years, and she was converted to the ministry of a woman of the Church of God Seventh-day, a Mrs. Uh, Runcorn. And uh, she brought the knowledge of the Sabbath to her, and then she took it to her husband, and he accepted it after a long struggle and battle. But uh, Herbert Armstrong, I remember him saying one time that never in all those years had Loma ever stood behind the pulpit. She refused to stand behind the pulpit, even on announcements or something that she would prefer that he would make and deferred back to him. And uh, then she, uh, now I was converted in 1960 uh, and had some contact with the, then the Radio Church of God before that. So uh, going back almost 30 years, and some of you that have been uh, that long or longer in the church remember Herbert Armstrong and uh, his uh, effect and impact and uh, the work that he was doing over those years. So I want to uh, continue on in uh, 1 Corinthians 14.35. Uh, we have a couple of scriptures that I want us to uh, uh, read. 1 Corinthians 14.35. says, let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. If they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. Now, 
It's not talking about women talking in the service or in the fellowship time, but it's talking about women preaching. There are, women are not to preach in the assembly. And uh, we can see uh, from uh, other scriptures uh, that uh, women have an opportunity to serve God and serve their husband and their fellow man in the church there's uh, plenty of opportunities uh, we talk about in the scriptures uh, there's talk about uh, uh, deaconess uh, being elevated to an office of uh, deaconess and uh, we honor and respect that and where a woman is uh, able to teach children uh, she is able to serve uh, uh, the the community by uh, distributing food and uh, being an example and most important if she has a lot of knowledge and understanding she can subject uh, that to Christ and to her husband not in dominance uh, they're not going to be beating and browbeating her but encouraging her to use her talents and her abilities just as the man is encouraged to wait on the Lord, to not run ahead of himself and to uh, be trying to do the work of a, a minister or a deacon unless he's been called to that opportunity and that office. And it becomes evident to others around and that uh, others who make those recommendations to the ministry of who is being called to that service. And it might be a person... Uh, I'm talking about a man or a woman. A person might have to wait many years until they're given that opportunity and that recognition. And so they have to wait on the Lord and wait for him to advance them and to put them into the office for which they are and have been called. Now, uh, about half of the congregation is uh, women, so we... Uh, we, want to, we don't want to offend a lot of women from the pulpit here, but just encourage women to listen carefully to what I'm saying, and the, the men also. Listen carefully to what I'm saying to the men. And uh, now, I want to break this down and talk a little bit about gender. We see a lot in the news today about uh, transgender. There's a lot of confusion. Uh, I know uh, recently on the news, uh, you remember, where a group of uh, kids were going, uh, they were touring, uh, I think, uh, one of the government buildings or, or a corporation or something, and the person in charge said, now, we have some cross-dressers in the building today, so I'd like all the employees to use the employees' restrooms. That offended a lot of people because of the reference that he made inadvertently to cross-dressers. Now, listen. This starts in the home with children. It continues in school, and it continues and can in the church if it's not addressed correctly and properly. Now, uh, in Deuteronomy, the 22nd chapter, I'd like to go back and uh, read a couple of verses from uh, the scriptures. Deuteronomy 22 
5. The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all that do so are abomination unto the Lord your God. Now, I know there was an article in the paper a couple of uh, weeks ago that talked about uh, this man preferred wearing women's garments. And uh, the uh, I didn't read that article, but I went back a few days later and, and read it. And uh, the person was trying to justify, yeah, that uh, some, some women's garments are uh, easy on the skin. And some are very distasteful for women to wear. And a man that likes to wear those is kind of crazy. Well, where did that start? It started in childhood, where there's a lot of confusion about what gender they are. And then it carries over into the school. And it carries over into, and can carry into adult life, where we have adult people that are confused about their gender. And so we have this word transgender. And we have the word cross-dresser. And uh, there's a lot of confusion. And uh, it seems like some people are concerned about uh, that, and they don't want to uh, uh, speak about it. But uh, I want to go back and read verse uh, 14 and 15 from Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 11. Uh, it says, Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. Now, uh, the attire and the length of hair is an identifier of whether it's a boy or a girl or a man or a woman. There's a lot of confusion because boys are wearing dresses and wearing long hair and uh, the uh, women are getting their hair cut very short like a man and wearing men's clothing. Now, women's shirts look a lot like men's shirts, but they button different. You know women. Uh, they button on the wrong side. <laughs> what I say as a man, now you women probably say, yeah, they button on the right side. But uh, there's a different way they overlap, and uh, they look alike. And women uh, wear uh, slacks or jeans that, that look like a man's, but they're a women's attire. Now, once a woman starts looking and acting and talking like a man, and a man starts looking and acting and talking like a woman, that's wrong. That's condemned in the scriptures. That's condemned by uh, practice. And uh, we don't participate in that uh, in the church. Now, in uh, 1 Corinthians, it talks about hair, the length of hair. And the, let me address this just a minute. It's, it's not talking about a yarmulke. It's not talking about a veil that a woman puts on her headscarf. The Jews and the Christians and the Muslim women 
they uh, do this with a headscarf. But it's talking about, if you'll notice in uh, uh, 14 and 15 again, it's talking about long hair. It's talking about short hair. It says very clearly that a, the woman's hair is given her for a covering. And so if it's a shame, if it's a, uh, for a woman to be bald-headed like a, a prostitute or uh, that was a custom so they could wear different wigs and things. Um, now, I know there are medical things that uh, there are exceptions to everything that uh, a woman has cancer and, and she has uh, some treatment and she loses her hair and she has to wear a wig. And I understand that. Now, we know that is common and there are reasons and there are exceptions. But now, let me, let me talk about Jesus just a minute here. As uh, a uh, person, I'm going to skip up ahead a little bit here. Uh, to the Nazarite vows. And uh, in Numbers 6 chapter, four through six says, talking about, um, well, let's begin in verse one. And the Lord spake unto Moses saying, speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, when either man or woman shall separate themselves to vow a vow of a Nazarite, to separate themselves unto the Lord, he shall separate himself from wine and strong drink, and shall drink no vinegar or wine of wine or vinegar of strong drink, neither shall he drink any liquor of grapes, nor eat moist grapes or dried. All the days of his separation shall he eat nothing that is made of the vine tree, from the kernels even to the husk. All the days of his vow uh, of separation, there shall no razor come upon his head until the days be fulfilled, in the which he separates himself unto the Lord. He shall be holy, and shall let the locks of the hair of his head grow. All the days that the separation himself unto the Lord become at no dead he, he come at he shall come at no dead body. He shall not make himself unclean for his father or for his mother or for his brother or for his sister when they die, because the consecration of the God is upon his head. All the days of his separation he is holy unto the Lord. But if a man die very suddenly by him, and he has defiled the head of his consecration, then he shall shave his head in the day of his cleansing. And I'm going to go on and stop there. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about Jesus. Uh, because I don't watch them, but I see on television sometimes ads uh, promoting and uh, movies about Jesus. And they tend to show him as a dirty, unkempt, long-haired, hippie-looking guy that goes on the cross. And uh, now, first thing we want to remember, that Jesus looked like any other Jew. He was identified, hard to identify him, because in his uh, 
presentation, he was just like any other ordinary Jew. So he didn't have long hair. And uh, now we know this because he touched a dead body. Uh, let's go to uh, Luke, the 8th chapter. Forty-nine through fifty-five. While he yet spake, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Thy daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, Fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. And when he came into the house, he suffered no man to go in, save Peter and James and John, and the father and the mother of the maiden. And all wept and bewailed her. But he said, Weep not, she is not dead, but sleepeth. For they laughed him to scorn, knowing that she was dead. And he put them all out, and took her by the hand, and called, saying, Maid, arise. And her spirit came again. And she arose straightway, and he commanded to give her meat. And her parents were astonished, but he charged them that they should tell no man what was done. So he violated right there one of the terms of a Nazarite vow. Now, he was known as a Nazarene because he lived in Nazareth as a boy, and he was called a Nazarene. Remember the scriptures? where he was identified as a Nazarene, not a Nazarite, because he touched a dead body. And the next thing, I want to go to uh, John, the ninth chapter, and uh, verse 3. Jesus, neither has this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me, while it is day, the night cometh, when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he had thus spake, he, sp he spoken, he spat on the ground, and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. And he went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. Uh, that's not the scripture that I wanted, but I wanted to uh, show us that uh, when he was on the cross, remember, they gave him some vinegar on a sponge and he drank it. Now, and another thing was on the night of the Passover, uh, when he told the disciples, take eat, this is my uh, body, this is my blood, drink this wine and uh, eat this bread. If you don't have any, you don't, if you don't do this, you don't have any life in you. So he violated here one of the terms of the Nazarite vow. Jesus was not a Nazarite, I'm, what I'm trying to stress, because he drank wine, he drank vinegar, he uh, used uh, the uh, 
uh, forbidden things that were forbidden as a Nazarite vow. Those, I read those scriptures there. And uh, we know that uh, Jesus set us an example that we should follow in his uh, life. And Paul followed Jesus. And so we take the word of God and we take the Apostle Paul and we take Jesus Christ as our example. And we follow those. Now, there's a scripture in uh, 1 Corinthians 11.10 that says that, uh, uh, let me read this. For, the, for this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Now, in Mark 12, let's read that. Mark 12. Jesus is talking about uh, the resurrection. For when they shall rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels which are in heaven. And so, let me be clear about this. When a woman dies, and then she's resurrected into the kingdom of God, she is sexless. She is not married to her husband. She is as the angels that serve God. Now, remember that the man and the woman, when they're in the kingdom of God, they're equal. Some uh, equality has been uh, changed from uh, the inequality as her being in the flesh, subject to her husband, subject to man, subject to the direction. Now, we don't mean that uh, a man has dominance and browbeats and beats up on his uh, wife and uh, abuses her, but she is respectful of the order that Christ has put, looking forward to the time when she is going to use the knowledge that she has, the opportunity to serve God as a son or a daughter of God in the kingdom of God and for all eternity. Uh, as a co-equal with her husband, with a man, or maybe even a superior. Maybe if she overcome and grew more than the man, then she is a higher position. We're going to leave that up to God to decide and to sort out. But there seems to be, and I'm not going into this too much, there seems to be some frustration and aggravation in the angel world that man can have relations with a woman and have children and continue the species on as God intended but the angels rely on God forever and ever and ever and I don't know how he keeps them alive whether it's through his Holy Spirit it's not clearly identified yet but the angels live forever and uh, that's why it's uh, very incumbent upon them to be righteous and to not sin and not to fall in to judgment and discipline upon themselves. Uh, and that's why uh, men and women uh, look forward to, with great uh, anticipation and eagerness, the uh, opportunities in the kingdom of God. Now, um, I'm going to close here, uh, but um, I have a couple of more verses to uh, 
read here. One of them is in verse 16. And it says, But if any man seem to be contentious, we have, so, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. So a man might say, well, I like to have these uh, braids. I like to have a ponytail. And I like to wear a yarmulke. And I like to wear a hat in church. And uh, God says, and, and I remember as a boy, my folks told us, don't wear a hat inside, whether it's a building or an office or, or whatever. Uh, when you go in a building, take your hat off. But this doesn't seem to be a custom of men today. They seem to be everywhere wearing these caps and hats. And uh, so the covering here is hair, long hair. Now, a woman might think, I think I'll just cut my hair short like a man and bob it off and comb it like uh, I do, like I do. God says if she's going to do that, then she should be shaven completely and shorn because that's the mark of a prostitute. That's the mark of a person who is disrespectful. And so the angels respect God and they're subservient to God. They're not browbeaten, but they're encouraged to do righteousness not to sin. And so they are an example for a woman to have power on her head to have long hair and to uh, glorify. Now, I mentioned uh, I was uh, a couple weeks ago in the barber shop and uh, I had to wait for three people that, that were ahead of me. And then after I went in, a, an older gentleman came in and sat there and waited. And then a man and a little boy came in, and this boy, I don't know, he must have been eight or ten years old, but he was totally out of control. He was into everything, and he would not listen to his dad. His dad kept trying to get him to sit down and to be quiet, and the kid kept singing over and over and over, humming. I don't know what he was saying, but he was, he was into everything. All the magazines were out scattered, and he was going here and there. And he was totally out of uh, control. And I had a little empathy for that barber. He was going to have that kid in his chair later. I don't know how. I left before it happened, so I don't know what happened on that. But uh, where did that boy learn all of that disrespect? In the home, right? In the home from the parents. Now, I know that uh, dad and mom shouldn't browbeat and shouldn't beat their kids up, but there should be discipline and there should be uh, order. And uh, that's what I want to continue with right here in uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 40.
Okay, I've written that down wrong. 14, verse 10. Let me try that. 1 Corinthians 14, 10. Sometimes when I copy scriptures two or three times, one for uh, Brian and one for me and then for my notes, and I uh, juggle the scriptures and I get them out of order and uh, write down a wrong verse. Uh, but even that is not the... What I want to say here in closing is that uh, we have uh, no such custom in the church that I've been talking about long hair on a man and the short hair on a woman and um, we are to follow Christ we're to follow the Bible we're to follow Paul as he follows Christ and um, we are to Excuse me, uh, I didn't write down my concluding thoughts uh, clearly, but uh, I just want to say that uh, in closing, that uh, we want to do all, do everything decently and in order. We want to follow God's word. We want to follow Christ. We want to uh, set the right example in the church and out of the church, so that God will be glorified.